The Secrets of Star Trek is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Trek, where we discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings found in all the Star Trek TV series, movies, and more. And today we're discussing the first season finale of Super, of Star Trek Prodigy called Supernova Part 2. Part 2, the quickening. Never mind. I'm Dom Bettinelli. Uh, this time me. it's personal. <laughs> yeah. I'm Dom Bettinelli and joining me today on the panel are Father Corey Stiga. Hey, Father Corey. How's it going? And Jimmy Aiken. Hey, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. Folks, remember to like The Secrets of Star Trek where you find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash StarQuest Media. Retweet us on Twitter where we're at SQPN. We're also on Instagram at StarQuest Network. And leave us comments wherever you find us. We love to hear from you on our social media. I want to tell you about another show on the StarQuest Network you're sure to enjoy called Raising the Bets. You can find that wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash bets. That's B-E-T-T-S. Before we, oh, and I also want to mention we have some great feedback at the end of the episode, so stick around for that. We we have some some really nice feedback from last time. Before we get to talking about Supernova, I just want to talk about what's coming up on Star Trek and Secrets of Star Trek. Uh, so now that Prodigy is finishing, the next new thing coming from Paramount Plus for Star Trek is the thir- third and final season of Picard. That's going to be starting in mid February. And then that goes through April and then discovery will be in there somewhere probably, but we're not going to be talking about discovery on the podcast as a regular uh, episode, but then we don't talk about discovery. <laughs> well, <laughs> father Corey and I do in, we, we talked about it in a special, like all of season four in a special patron episode that yes. uh, we're, we're giving those, the patrons um, we'll so, prob- probably drop that in the feed some point uh, before season five of discovery so, comes along. So if, if you want to hear that earlier, it'll drop here this week as, as we're recording this this week. Uh, and so you can go you can come a patron at sqpn.com slash give and join our patron and yep. listen to what we think of it. We had fun. <laughs> yeah, we, we did a lot of ranting. So so uh, but we won't talk about that you know episode by episode on the uh, this podcast. But then we expect Lower Decks season four to drop in August because Lower Decks so far has always dropped in August. And then Strange New Worlds after that, maybe in October. So there'll be a nice mm-hmm. big run of us discussing classic Trek between, you know, April and August. Um, if, if that's something yeah, we've heard, I've heard from a lot of folks like, oh, I really like your discussions about these new shows, but I miss you talking about classic Trek. So we're going to get back to that right after that. That's also, what, we'll have some classic Trek before Picard starts. Right. Yep. Yes. Between now and the beginning of Picard, we've got a, a bunch of things, including a couple episodes. We just talked about this. Uh, a couple episodes prepping for Picard season three, because we know that the holographic character, James Moriarty from TNG, is going to show up. So we're going to talk about mm-hmm. those two episodes before Picard season three comes along. So very good. All right. So let's get back to Prodigy in its final episode. Jimmy, can you give us a recap of what happened? 
Last time, the living construct began infecting Starfleet ships and creating a cascading, seemingly unwinnable situation with new ships becoming infected as soon as they arrived. To solve this problem, the kids decide to destroy the protostar. This will apparently stop the virus, even though that isn't how viruses work. <laughs> to minimize the damage caused by the explosion, they decide to proto-jump away from the battlefield as they destroy the ship. This will stretch out the damage over a long stretch of space instead of concentrating it in one solar system. The kids will escape in a newly manufactured shuttlecraft, but someone must stay behind to pilot the protostar. Hollow Janeway volunteers, saying that they can bring a backup of her program on an isolinear chip, but she discovers that her program has grown so large that it won't fit on the isolinear chip, so she lies to the kids and stays behind to sacrifice herself. After the protostar is destroyed, the kids learn the truth about her sacrifice. We then flash to Earth a month later, and Starfleet has learned that the protostar's destruction created a wormhole to the future, and they get a message from Captain Chakotay. A rescue mission is planned, and biological Janeway insists on being on it. She also gets the charges against the kids dropped, but instead of getting them into Starfleet Academy, she has them sworn into Starfleet as warrant officers in training under her command. Except for Gwen, who leaves to make contact with her home planet Solemn in hopes of preventing the conflict from the original timeline. Before Gwen goes, she promises to come back, and she gives Dal a kiss. Our final sequence is of the kids meeting their new ship, which is part of the newly approved Protostar line, and Janeway tells them she has big plans for them, which points us towards Star Trek Prodigy 2, The Search for Chakotay. The <laughs> end. All right, let's uh, start at the beginning, which is a good place to start. They, uh, they, The kids... We've talked about this last time, how the kids have really matured and they're they're mm -hmm. they're still kind of silly at times, but they they have a lot more maturity about approaching situations. And in this case, they've decided that to save others, they must sacrifice themselves, which is a fairly mature, although they're not going to. They know that they're, they're going to try to escape in a shuttle, but there's still this idea of sacrifice, sacrificing the ship right. and sacrificing what they had gained. And that's a fairly mature attitude. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it all it also reminds me of that scene from the end of Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated, where in order to uh, save Crystal Cove, Fred must sacrifice the mystery machine. And it goes <laughs> crashing across the screen. And Fred says, what have I done? And Daphne says, what you always do, take despair and turn it into a fighting chance for hope. Is hmm. that which is a deliberate in <laughs> reference to Star Trek three? That's thinking, yeah. that sounds awfully familiar. <laughs> you know, the, the sacrificing of the iconic vessel, whether it's the mystery machine or the Enterprise. I remember back then watching, you know, seeing the trailers and not I could not believe they would sacrifice the Enterprise like the, that. It's mm -hmm. got to be something mm -hmm. else, you know, and seeing it on screen. That was that was devastating not devastating in yeah. a big sense but as a well, fan i was like wow i can't believe that well that's right that's where i've commented i commented last time how the ships in many ways become as much a character as the actual human crew members and unfortunately jj abrams <laughs> and you know and generations have kind of 
watered, watered it down, down the, <laughs> the the emotional impact of the enterprise being destroyed. Right. Because you know, I I mean, I don't I vaguely remember it because I was you know younger and wasn't quite as in tune with Star Trek as I I am now, but. I I know there was people who were really upset with Star Trek three because they destroyed the enterprise. They destroyed this crew member, if you will. Right. And then, but then you get generations and they destroyed the D just to get rid of it. And then you get JJ Abrams who destroyed two ships and damaged the, the, you know, damaged one to the, you know, I mean, it was just, it's like, okay, you've, you've lost any emotional impact of this. They, they, they also have the the fake out destructions that occur mm-hmm. with some regularity. I was watching a second season next gen episode at Times Squared, mm-hmm. and it, they you know these days on, in the streaming they have the notes that will come up, and one of them said, "This is the first time the Enterprise is is destroyed on screen in yep. in next generation." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Like, well, yeah, out of about, I don't know how many, about six. They seem to yeah, do that yeah. once a, once a season. Well, there's was it cause and effect where it's the Bozeman comes through with mm-hmm. the Kelsey Grammer, right? Over and, they, and they, over. They, 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 yeah, I was gonna say they had fun trying to figure out what camera angles they could use. Yeah. And I'm assuming they did, you know, just one model they exploded, but they did different camera angles. But still, you know, they had a lot of fun trying to figure out how many different ways can they show this explosion. And 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 it was you. I remember at the time of Star Trek Three. This like what is Star Trek without ships, right? Which is uh, something that we've come up with before, is uh, mm-hmm. in other series. Um, is you know it's with Deep with, Space Nine, the best of all of them. <laughs> no. Well, but even the like even the, the, the station is still a ship in a sense. It's a place that's specific and that's commanded. Oh, everything's a ship then. Well, you know, I, I it guess. is also in outer. It all is also yeah. you know a, a sealed enclosure in yeah. outer space that can yeah. move not well, very often, but does and, move. And there's a ship in Friends, and a ship in Columbo, and a ship in Saint Elsewhere because they're all set on Earth, which is this place in space, and it's got a command structure. And yeah, Earth is a ship, oh, spaceship I, Earth. People even talk about that. I think that's a, that's stretching it. I think I think DS Nine is is. It's got it's got a name and it's got it's a confined construct in space that is has a commander. Uh, I I mean, it's a it's like Earth doesn't have a name and you can just step off of it anytime you want. It's not confined. I don't know. Well, well, listeners, you can you can let us know (laughs) which one you agree with. But I feel like, you know, having a ship of a type is is a key element in Star Trek. I mean, the the. You know, they in fact they even gave it a, the defiant dimension because they knew that they needed to get off the station mm-hmm. once in a while. Yeah, exactly. But the protostar, well, no, they, they 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 had runabouts. They just wanted right. a more badass way of getting off the ship. Well, that's true. Um, you said ship. So uh, there we go. Just <laughs> <laughs> pointing it out. So the protostar to getting back to Prodigy had become this this ship of of Prodigy. It's the you know defined place that. That defines this crew in the sense. I mean, it's another definition that this confined place that defines this crew. And so they want, you know, destroying it at the end, which I wasn't sure whether they would actually go through with it, but destroying it mm-hmm. made me think, well, that's why it's called Star Trek Prodigy and not Protostar, I guess. Mm-hmm. Right. Which yeah. is a, a big part of that. So, well, and, you know, and later on, we see a prototype or that the the protostar was a prototype and yeah. now they're making protostar class. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see more of these ships. Right. And they'd, they'd set us up for it by telling us at the beginning of the series, this was a prototype. Yeah. Yep. 
That's right. You know, it also reminds me of a um, of a scene in John Scalzi's novel Red Shirts, which mm-hmm. is it's not family friendly, but it mm-hmm. is really funny and it is a and, and, re- and actually really insightful. Um, but it's a it's it's essentially a, a pastiche or parody of Star Trek where the, the where the red shirts realize they're all going to die. Right. That there's this magical bridge crew that never dies no matter what, but we're the ones who do. Now, mm. what are we going to do about this? And so they have to figure out, try to figure out how they're going to survive, given that they're living in a universe that's being directed by a television show that requires the main characters to live. And so to prove the danger, we're the ones who have to die. And one of the first things they think of is, let's blow up the ship. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's a, we'll, we'll set a bomb, we'll get off of it, it'll blow up, and then there won't be any more show, right? No, they'll just get another ship, a better, <laughs> a better ship. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, that is what the showrunners would do, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, Red Shirts is sort of like a cross between Galaxy Quest and Lower Decks. It's kind of yeah. a, little, a little of that. There's obviously inspiration for both of those from that book. Yes, yes. So, uh, see who can uh, see who uh, Jankum comes up with the idea of detonating. No, Rock mm-hmm. does comes with the idea mm-hmm. of detonating the Proto Stars remaining power at the same time the Proto Warp, like you mentioned, Jimmy, dispersing it across space and time. They said, which is which is an interesting. They included time um, in well, that. Sure, line. it takes a few seconds to for, for start here and end there. That's driving. Oh, get, well, I Obviously think we're talking space time continuum. They're not talking about right. literally, you know, just the, the time it takes for the explosion to run through. Right. And I guess that was sort of a hint at the that they're going to be making a, a wormhole through time by doing this. I, it, it was the clue. I'd have to revisit that line. I, I thought they just said across space time, which is a standard f- f- physics description of of what we live in. We live in space time. Yeah. Um, and if you're doing faster than light travel, time actually does become a component. But although they tend to ignore mm-hmm. that on Star Trek. Um, yeah. But um, but I'd, I'd, I'd have to look to see if I thought they were making it more than that. OK. Yeah. I mean, I'd, yeah, um, I kind of took mm-hmm. it just because they include the word time and space time instead of just yeah. across a great distance or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. Now, interestingly, Dow originally volunteers to go down with a ship as captain, mm-hmm. um, which mm-hmm. again is another mature. And is the loser augment who won't get into Starfleet Academy. <laughs> right. He sacrificed himself, let the others get in. Um, and I thought that was a, a fairly mature attitude on his part, like that idea of self-sacrifice mm-hmm. that he's willing to give yeah. his life for, for not just his friends, but for everyone, including people he doesn't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was nice. Um, I do also like that they finally figured out that you can copy a holo program yeah. <laughs> and save it. So if you delete one copy, the other copy although, can exist. Although they, they get around it. Too small of USB drives on the on the yeah. protostar. You know, they get some bigger ones. Unfortunately, while they've figured out that you can copy a holo program, they have not figured out that you can copy a virus. Right. Exactly. Which is, which is like, okay, you've just created a, a critical failure point solution for us because now the living construct, it's not really a virus. 
it's 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 it it may be using malware to access these ships, mm -hmm. but it's the living construct that's forcing them to turn on each other. It's not right. a virus. Yeah. And so so now you can just destroy the living construct and it'll stop. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. The, the yeah, I mean, that was actually an interesting thing because I was thinking about like, how does saving destroying the protostar save everyone else? Because if it's a virus, then it's in all the other ships. Yeah. Already. Right. You know, it's copied but that's itself. Just, it's, but that's just it's it's communication protocol, if you will, that it uses that, that malware to yeah. go from ship to ship to ship to get access, get through their firewalls. Let's use modern day technology. It uses this virus to get through their tech, their firewalls and then can remotely control the ships. It uses yeah. remote desktop for all the ships and controls them that way. It's, so it's not copying itself. Right. It's just getting access to it and it's all running from the ProStar. So that makes sense then if you've got a you know a malicious server that's attacking your system if you can take that server out your which, your attack stops which seems like a dumb design on the part of the solomites <laughs> cuz you like Jimmy's just said a critical failure point they, they you, well yeah. i think they they assume though that the protostar wouldn't be having a bunch of kids who override it and, and blow it up yeah although you would think they should wargame that out how could you defeat this this nefarious thing also i mean if it's just a malicious server it's way less of a threat to starfleet than a virus would be right if you've got a virus that can that can i can believe can infect every federation ship and mm -hmm. at least in principle it could infect every federation ship and bring them to their knees how is a malicious server going to do that if it needs to be within line of sight in order to access the ship you right, know, because if, the Federation if, makes it that everybody comes running as soon as there's a problem <laughs> and all the ships become line of sight very quickly. But is the, yeah, I, 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 that's what we're expected <laughs> to believe. But that's completely unreasonable. Nobody. I mean, even if you is compare it to the United States Department of Defense, even if you have a big battle happening somewhere and they need to pull in reinforcements, they're not going to bring every ship that's owned by the Defense Department to one location and leave the rest of the empire completely unguarded right just like yeah i mean they're there and we know that it there are it takes days or weeks to travel from one side of the federation to the other and if ships keep going to the spot and stop communicating out they're gonna stop sending ships at some point early on in that uh yeah so yeah it it's a flaw. It is a definite flaw mm -hmm. in the concept of of what's going on here. They they wanted us to think it's at one in, in one hand it's a virus, on the other hand it's a central AI remote controlling everything for the convenience of the plot. So that's that's a little bit of a plot flaw. Um, mm -hmm. But okay, um, so they're gonna they need to modify the ship in order to get the control of it back, and uh, so Jankum is going to fix it. And uh, Jankum has a nice line: Jankum isn't just an engineer. He's a miracle worker. Nice. Scotty. Yeah. Scotty. <laughs> Scotty. Yep. Um, so we have hollow Janeway. They puts them on their shuttle, which is a very rudimentary because, you know, let's get that mm -hmm. 3D printer for shuttles, uh, which should have mm -hmm. been on Voyager. <laughs> and, and I think they, it was. They, and, and they don't have a lot of time. So they're having it build the most stripped down shuttle possible. Yeah. It doesn't, yeah. E it doesn't even have chairs or artificial gravity. Mm -hmm. So they're just going to float around in there and hang on to stuff. Right. And, and actually, when they get off the ship, 
there are some nice scenes of the kids mm-hmm. in the shuttle and it's silent. There's no dialogue and they're they're dealing with the enormity of the situation around yep. them as they're clinging into the interior of this stripped down shuttle they've just built. And it's it's a, they're, they're nice, effective scenes. Well, yeah. even the fact that the, the shuttle, they, they basically evacuate the shuttle from the shuttle bay. They don't even power it out. Yeah. Yep. They just they just they, allow, they just relieve the gravity in the shuttle bay and let mm-hmm. let it get pushed out by the air. Yeah. Yep. It, it's interesting that we kind of end the drama there. I mean, the 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 protostar warps out, explodes, mm-hmm. and the other ships gradually come back. Uh, but we don't see the rescue. We don't see we. There's, there's that uh, mm-hmm. the immediate aftermath is is skipped, which is interesting. Well, and they say they can't find them, that the they were so far away from the fleet by the time they went to proto-jump that yeah. they couldn't find the shuttle. They forgot to put an emergency beacon on it when they... Right. Mm-hmm. They also wrap this up, because this has been the main drama in, in this, you know, that we've been building towards, and they wrap it up in, like, this is a 20-minute episode, they wrap it up in, at, like, minute six. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we have this enormous denouement. Um, you know, or anticlimax after the climax. Um, and and it works, but it's I was kind of surprised because it's like, wow, we just so we just won at minute six? Really? <laughs> cool. I kind of feel like it I mean, I know they called it Supernova Part One and Two. I feel like they should have just made one episode. You know, because mm-hmm. if they had so they wanted to have this huge, you know what the fate of this crew, what's going to happen in setting mm-hmm. up next season. But they had to have part of the, of the action from the pre previous episode in this one. You know what I mean? So I know why, why they did it. I just felt like they, they should have just done one long episode, but well, and they, they obviously wanted the cliffhanger of all the Federation ships are destroying themselves and the allies that are coming are, are insufficient to stop it. So how do we go from there? Which is you know, they wanted that cliffhanger. Yeah. yeah, it's a very good cliffhanger. It was an excellent cliffhanger, but it was, you know, they wanted that and then realized, yeah, it's not going to take much. They, they could have spread out the destruction of the protostar over, you know, a whole episode if they wanted to. Yeah. But they did want this conclusion where we see, okay, we have the happy ending. Yes, you have the the the, the separation of one of the members, but yeah. you still have the happy ending. I think at least some of us had the idea that the the resolution of this problem was going to be them jumping forward in time to stopping the construct and being installed in the first place. I'm or jumping, jumping somewhere in time, because yeah. that's mm-hmm. the obvious solution if you know how viruses work and you've designed a sensible plan. But <laughs> right, they right. decided to change that on us. Yeah. It, and it's interesting. I thought they would undo this destruction because there is massive destruction of Starfleet. How yeah. many times has Starfleet been wiped out? Like Wolf 359, you know, mm-hmm. like all these different times. And it's like, wow, they just keep building these ships and finding more people willing to go on board them <laughs> out there in the Federation. And so, yeah, we don't undo any of this. This is all set. This is what happened. And kind of interesting that they, they don't. Um also, the kids, um, you know, in af- after they've left the protostar, they they discover the, a recording of Hollow Janeway saying, "Sorry, guys, disc full. Mm-hmm. I'm not coming with you." Yeah, and and it's sad, and it is sad, but and it is a kid show, but I'm sorry. Janeway is a toaster. <laughs> right. Yeah. Hollow Janeway. Well, and it's Hollow Janeway is a toaster. Yeah. It's interesting how they. 
they the showrunners have figured out a way to keep Kate Mulgrew involved because we've now yeah. replaced Hollow Janeway with, with Admiral Bio Janeway, Janeway. Mm-hmm. and because yep. uh, it's interesting to me that's how they sold the show before it came out. It was about these kids who were going to be on the ship far outside the Federation, and they're going to be accompanied by a hologram of Janeway. And now we've got a much more conventional, in many ways, show, apparently, right. where they're with Admiral Janeway. They're going to be on her ship within Starfleet, you know, per se. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of interesting how we've, in, in a season, have progressed to this different kind of somewhat little more conventional setting. Uh, I like that. Um, and I like that. How- obviously. Go ahead. I was going to say, but obviously they set up for next season what, you know, it is going to be the search for Chakotay and crew. So. Right. Yes. And I wondered, did Hollow Janeway intentionally create a wormhole to the future where Chakotay yeah. is? That, well, that, that's, what they, that's what they said. They presumed that she had guided it, the explosion, so that it created the identical wormhole. Because they show the picture of the two of them overlapping and they match. Right. You know, of course, and, you're going to have the, the image of that. You know? Yeah. And there is a line about it pointing our way to where we need to go. Yep. They also called it an alternate timeline. Yeah. So this brings up another question I have because so they've it, it should be an alternate timeline because they've the knowledge from the original timeline has now been transmitted back to their own time in the form of Gwen, who who survives and knows the whole story. And everybody else knows the whole story, too. Mm-hmm. There's this planet out there called Solemn. If you go there and you're not careful, it will start a civil war and it will lead to this scenario. Mm-hmm. So my question and so what they're planning on doing is having uh, Gwen go talk to her people as part of first contact mm-hmm. in hopes of heading this off. They're deliberately changing their the timeline. I want to know what temporal investigations has to say about all of this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it, in some ways, it's. I was going to say, and maybe maybe I'm wrong, uh, that it changes how time travel works in Star Trek, which we've always had that time travel changes the future. That's the voyage home was exactly this mm-hmm. this this question, right? So they go back in time. Well, no, that wasn't exactly the same thing, was it? No, that really didn't change time. That didn't change yeah. the future. That just brought whales to the future. There was there was the episode where they found Data's head buried on Earth in the you know the eighteen in the eighteen hundreds. Um, that didn't change it either. What did no. change it was that was because um, they left his head no, there. That wasn't what I was going to say. Um, but go ahead. Yeah. It was it was the first Guardian of Forever episode, um, mm-hmm. City on the Edge of Forever. Sure. That did change time. Yeah, and, and uh, first contact as well as they're going as the Enterprise is getting ready to go back in time, they see the Earth changed into a Borg yeah. planet, but then they go back and stop that. Right. So that actually did change time for a brief second. Right. And the thing with Data's head was that it actually it didn't change time, but this was the time this was, was always going to happen. And so it it's not that the alternative timelines there were alternative timelines, at least uh, according to the way it has always worked in the past. But maybe because this is the future that we're looking at. I don't know. That's interesting. It's interesting that they've added this idea that Chakotay still exists in the future as part of this alternative timeline. Um, well, but they can, they can, I was, I was thinking about that. They could very easily do it that they find Chakotay after the song, after the diviner sends the protostar or after Chakotay sends the protostar back. So the, right. the, the, pro, the prototype protostar is gone and then they find Chakotay. 
Right. And well, that won't affect the timeline at all. Actually, it could be if Gwyn is successful, Solemn is fixed. But Chakotay going to the future had nothing to do with Solemn being messed up. So they could still be in that future. Yeah. But with a solemn that isn't in trouble. And so he could, he could be one of the one yeah. of the rebels that doesn't like the fact that the solemn is with the, the Federation. And so he does this plot anyways. I mean, that. Possibly. Right. Because that won't change the timeline at all. Yeah, in yeah. theory, I, I just think the current Gwyn mission is seriously altering the. Right. The, 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 that the, the, the timeline that Chakotay is in. Right. And so so if you're it's going to be weird, it's like, OK, we're going to an alternate timeline to rescue Chakotay while simultaneously we're preventing that timeline from becoming actual. Temporal, so this is all assuming that her work her this work is going to actually be successful on the part of Gwyn. Right. This is assuming that she's going to prevent the civil war that leads to all this anyways. But the attempt is still a violation of the temporal prime directive. So. Um, Assuming that it wasn't part of the original timeline in the first place because <laughs> time travel. It's yeah. it's all it's all a mess, and that's why I want to know what Temporal Investigations has to say about all this. <laughs> it would be fun if they show up. Does that she would have be a moral a moral duty to try to prevent the civil war? Though it's interesting that I, I would think so. That you know, even though you you you've seen the future, I think you still have a moral <laughs> duty. Anyway, um, it apparently took a month to get the Protostar crew back to earth they they made it on their own and we Mm -hmm. have a callback to star trek for the search for whales where they land right by the golden gate bridge in san francisco (laughs) bay pretty much the same spot with that that bird of prey went down which is kind of funny i thought there was it had to be an an intentional homage i mean this is animation you can do whatever you want but um i i did like that a little a little echo of uh, voyage home and um they uh, it's interesting that they made their own way there, even though they didn't. It was they were in a rudimentary shuttle. Not sure what they ate for a month and all that sort of in stuff. In fact, they said we don't even have food, right? Yeah. Before they got in it, so what did you eat for a month? <laughs> I mean, I know I don't know what Rock eats, but you know, in uh, in well, actually, I mean, you you can fast for a month. That you, that will not kill you, and if you're a healthy mm-hmm. individual. You do need water, though, right? <laughs> so. You do need you do need water. So guess what they drank? Yeah. <laughs> you so uh, hey, that's, they've, they've, said, that's, they've said that's what they do on Star Trek anyway. Just they run it through a replicator first. Yep, yep, yep. Um, so then we get this uh, scene before I don't know whether it's like a, the Starfleet board or the Starfleet Academy board or whatever it is, but you know some Starfleet officers. This idea that somehow we're still these kids have saved Starfleet, but we're still going to charge them with stealing the Protostar, even though all they did was salvage it. They salvaged a lost ship. There's nothing. There's no crime in that. Right. I thought that was a weird uh, change. Again, talking about throwback. This is going back to uh, Star uh, Star Trek four where, Mm -hmm. yes, they saved the world, but. You know, Admiral Kirk got demoted back well, to Captain Kirk, but they did steal the they Enterprise. Stole, stole the Enterprise, right. but still, it, it's it's another throwback to that. I guess, you know. it, and it's a kids' show, so they're hyping the drama. Yeah, yep. And it's bureaucracy. I mean, mm-hmm. look at their news story is regularly here in America about insane, you know, things that petty government officials have done that make no sense. <laughs> True and, and, true. and remember, just because just because charges are filed doesn't mean they're actually guilty. And of course, the charges were dropped, which means 
they were found, you know, not even not guilty. They were just dropped. Although, there were no charges there. Yeah. Those, those yeah, the, officers the, seemed pretty intent, uh, though. Uh, like, they were still dubious. The, the, the 24th century needs to learn the phrase prosecutorial discretion. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, it, you're, you're talking bureaucracy here. You know, if, if somebody's job is to charge you and, and to get a conviction, they're going to try to get a conviction. So. Yeah, something tells me Vulcans are pretty pretty big on bureaucracy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so no academy for any of them, which is good because academy would have you know having them go to the academy would have sort of stifled the storytelling possibilities. Three years later, <laughs> I know yep. we would have had a you know had a time jump, but this I like this idea. War- so warrant officers is a thing in in mm-hmm. present day military. They're sort of a they're officers, but they're not commissioned officers. In this, right. in that sense, and they don't go up in rank uh, like like commissioned officers do. They're but they're more than enlisted. F- Father Corey, right. you could probably do a better job. Yeah, they're they're, they're 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 they are a rank between enlisted and officer, and they do have you know uh, Air Force. I believe is the only branch of the U.S. military that does not have warrant officers. They used to, but they don't anymore. And the the reason for the distinction between a warrant officer and a commissioned officer is a commissioned officer, at least in the U.S. military, is actually commissioned by the Senate, by the mil- or the uh, Congress. Yeah, it's actually, you know, of course, it's it's a rubber stamp. I mean, it, it, they, they I think every, you know, so often they have a vote of, you know, we've got these officers who need to be promoted. We have these officers who need to come in. OK, stamp, you know, next, you know, it's it's just one of those things that no one ever thinks about. But it is, you know, but warrant officers aren't. They are an officer class. They are considered above enlisted, um, but they come in on the military's own warrants. Right. And that's why they're called warrant officers. Um, and so they but they are separate from, in, you know, enlisted and separate from uh, regular officers. And that's why that's why Janeway could do that. She could say, well, I'm going to take them on my own warrant. As right. officers, and usually there's in the least today, there's usually some kind of specialist. They specialize in a particular, yep. like an army has uh, helicopter pilots who are warrant officers, yes. that sort of thing. So yes, uh, yeah, and that, that's that's how it was in the Air Force as well. Originally, is there were certain fields that were warrant officers that either they downgraded to enlisted or up, you know, okay. upgraded to office the commissioned officer. And the kids, with the exception of Dal, all have specialities. Jankum is an engineer. Rock is a scientist. Murph is a security guy. And uh, uh, Zero is a science guy. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and as I was looking on- online, that uh, it, with Voyager, the, the, the bars that they had for the, the Maquis crew were supposed to be warrant officer ranks. Right. Oh. right. Interesting. Um, there's a... Uh, so yeah, they are all pulled in, and Dal gets to go too. There's a exception made for for him, um, and Gwyn is going to go off on her own. We mentioned, and you mentioned the yeah, Rock becomes a xenobiologist, and she's uh, apparently this the the Starfleet officer who who talks to her about becoming a xenobiologist is a actually based on a real scientist person, Erin McDonald. Hmm. She's hmm. an hmm. astrophysicist, aerospace engineer. Um, and she's the science. She's been a science advisor on Star Trek since 2019, I guess. Nice. And apparently, you can become a xenobiologist by just watching a two-hour video on YouTube or something, because <laughs> that's all the training Rock seems to need. <laughs> Although, she's smart. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, let's see. Then the yeah, and then Jankum gets to you know show off his his uh, prosthesis there. Um, Zero gets a new suit. <laughs> 
which is much mm-hmm. more uh, shiny and white. Uh, it's uh, it is so open the pod bay doors, Hal. <laughs> it does yep. look like it. <laughs> Still, it look- definitely looks like a, one of their uh, uh, EV suits. Yeah. Still TV looking suits. for Murph to kind of grow beyond the, no, the, the squeaky season, season two. Yeah, yep, yep. I'm looking forward he's, to that though. Um, he, he's got more expressive since he he cocooned. So yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll I think we'll see more. Again, I want to give Deep Bradley Baker like a little more to do than make cooing noises. <laughs> That's pretty much what it is. He did. Yeah, he played yeah. other characters. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so that we have this farewell scene between Gwyn and Dal and Dal kissed her last time and she went well uh but this time uh she kisses him so we have this this mutual relationship thing going just as she's going away um and uh i'm my guess is for season two she's not going far (laughs) we will we will see gwen um i thought it was interesting that they reveal that there is a new protostar class and a new ship but Jamie says, I've got bigger plans for you. So they're evidently going to a different ship, which wasn't revealed. I didn't get that out of that. I I I, I thought she was just saying, I've got big, big plans for us, not bigger yeah. than this protostar. Well, but it he, was in response to another line. And yeah. I think she meant I, it's it's more than just we're getting this ship. Right. Not that we're getting a different, bigger ship. It's Remember, that we're yeah. we're going to be on this ship and we're going to go find Chakotay. I think yeah. there's some dispute on that because Memory Alpha also mm. agrees with that. Um, uh huh. Janeway's line is, "We're not. This is not going to be our ship. We yeah. have a, a bigger one." Yeah, because they were mm. talking. The line they were talking about was that ship that they were looking at. Oh, we're going to be on this ship, and she's like, "No, I got bigger plans for you." Now that doesn't mean that they won't be on this ship. It's just like right now is not the time. Right. It's a possibility, too. Mm-hmm. We'll see. I mean, it's all up in the air. Um, I, it, it would be interesting. I don't know if they're going back to the Dauntless or something like that or a whole nother thing. But it's not going the show isn't dependent on any particular ship. So, it's you know, right. that's that's the interesting aspect. They're, they're going to bring back Voyager. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Pull Voyager out of mothballs. Or uh, the Voyager A or something along those lines. Because yeah. we know there's a J. We saw that. <laughs> Eventually. In, a, in an alternate future that nobody cares about and will hopefully be aborted. Yes. That's, yep. that's mm. right. Maybe mm. by doing this with uh, bringing Chakotay back, they prevent that future. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> yes. Let's undo all of that. Um, all right. And that's where we, we finish the episode and the season. Any final thoughts or thoughts forward to the next season, Father Corey? You know, I, I, we're, we've got some feedback here. We'll, we'll kind of talk about the, the season as a whole, but I've really enjoyed the season. I've really enjoyed, uh, been surprised by Prodigy. I, you know, I figured, okay, it was going to be a kid show. And, you know, we, when we first heard about this, we had kind of talked about this amongst ourselves and weren't sure which way it was going to go. And we kind of played it by ear whether or not to do episode by episode recaps. And of course, you know, obviously we decided to do the re- recaps and it was, it was worth it. I'm glad I'm glad we did. But the show I, really surprised I, me. And I'm always in favor of because like with both Lower Decks and this, you two were more skeptical mm-hmm. of, oh, is this going to be worth doing the recaps? And it's like, yeah. it's like start with the recaps and we can we can bail on them if it's not worth it. Yeah. Yeah. As, well, a, as opposed to don't do them and then decide later we wanted to. And and to be fair, I mean, you can also fix that, too. I mean, you can mm-hmm. go back yeah. and fix that, too. That's not a problem. But to be fair, we kind of been burned by 
Discovery, Discovery. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, and other other projects that are out there, not just Star Trek world, where it's just kind of like, yeah, this is even worth talking about, much less doing recaps of. Right. So, but but I, I've been very pleasantly surprised. I've really enjoyed it. I've looked forward to each episode when it's come out. It's, mm-hmm. you know, that's where it was so disappointing, the way they broke up the season, where it was five episodes, five episodes, ten episodes. And I'm, I'm wondering if they, they kind of realized, and that might, again, that might have been COVID-related yeah. issues, which probably was, but. I think that, you know, next season will be one chunk, even if it's concurrent with other Star Trek. So I'm looking forward to season two. I'm looking forward to see where they go with it and what they're how they're going to get Chakotay and crew back. Because we know it, I mean, that's pretty clear that that's where they're going. So, mm-hmm. Jimmy, I enjoyed the season as well. Um, I I I didn't have as much confidence going into it as I did with Lower Decks, but um, but but it was after watching the first episode, it was clear that this was going to be uh, to me that this was going to be a, a good series. Um, I suspect we will only get two seasons, um, which is fine. They I may be wrong about that. They may go for more, but I suspect the initial plotting and, and order was for two seasons. And so that's what they plotted with a finish at the end of the second season. I suspect we will get it in two chunks of 10 episodes like we did this time since that they're they're calling it they're calling their 20 episode thing a season. But adult television seasons these days tend to be like 10 episodes. And so I think they're. It, it it it'll be presented in two chunks of 10 just like discovery and picard and lower decks are right yeah i i was i enjoyed the first half i didn't get fully invested until the second half of this season mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um when it really yeah. felt like things were going someplace and i think that's about when janeway got introduced the uh admiral janeway got introduced and so it felt like okay now we're going somewhere it is fascinating we started this prodigy journey over a year ago in uh, mm-hmm. in November of 2021 and and now we're just finishing up you know at the beginning of 2023 it's uh it, it's been a long beginning um it's been a long road from here to, from there to here <laughs> i knew that was that was that was in the back of my mind you knew it was coming <laughs> i knew it was coming <laughs> it's been a long road uh that one thing so uh and i'm interested in seeing where it goes and and whether it can maintain that prodigy uh, spark with the new, you know, the new situation. I hope it will. I think it will. It, it, it Based on how we ended, I think you know, there's some promise to this series. I'm really excited mm-hmm. about it. And I'm kind of to kind of look at it a broader picture. You know, Picard is ending with season three. So we're about to, to lose that. So all we've got left is discovery and strange new worlds. And well, it's for live action. Sorry, that's what I was going to say. Stra- so Discovery and Strange New Worlds for live action. And we've got Lower Decks and Prodigy for animated. There's then this this mythical section 31. I can't imagine Paramount is looking to decrease the amount of Star Trek. So I'm hoping we're going to get more, whether animated or live action Star Trek soon. Well, and. And there's still been rumors of a Starfleet Academy series at some point, which is going to be more teen teen romance drama type thing. Ugh, I hope not. But <laughs> I mean, I hope it's I mean, some of that stuff is OK, like, you know, but I hope it's not all that and in, in sacrificing these storytelling and action. Um, but we'll see. We'll see how that goes. You, you remember the was it the 200th episode of SG one where we got 
glimpses into how they would make it if it were a TV series. And mm-hmm. one of them was the teen angst version of Stargate SG-1. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was that one. There was Farscape. There was, yeah. Right. I, like, right. How the, I yeah. like how at the end of Farscape, they 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 show us the Farscape version of SG-1. And then at the end of at the end of the of the of the flash sideways to see that Ben Browder says, what was that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Well, they also they also had the Star Trek one where they're on the the. the the uh, I can't remember what ship, the Prometheus, the, yeah. the ship in SG yeah. one, but it was all Star Trek. Like you know, right. Ben Browder was was Kirk. You know? <laughs> it was yeah. fun. That that's yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing that again. So um, all right, so that's that's where we end with Prodigy season one. Um, we we are looking forward to season two whenever that comes. I did mention we have some listener feedback, so let's get to that now. The first feedback comes from the Sage of Rakaseka on YouTube, who writes. I know Jimmy has an inner ship geek somewhere in there. Hashtag yes. embrace the ship geek. <laughs> I'll embrace my inner ship geek when ships are real. And then only for a while, because ultimately Janeway's a toaster and ships are wheels. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Kelly Brown on Facebook writes, I've been really impressed with Prodigy. Going into this, I wasn't too excited about this show. I didn't think I would enjoy a kiddie Star Trek. I was wrong. Yes, the show is for kids, but the writing is really smart and the story is engaging. I like that I cannot predict what will happen. There's been times when I thought it would go one direction, only to be pleasantly surprised when they go in another unexpected direction. You can tell that those that work on the show really care about it. Yeah, and that illustrates how it is possible to write in a way that's accessible to both children and adults. There are lots of great Mm -hmm. examples of shows that that have crossover appeal. The original Land of the Lost had that. Um, Mm -hmm. The Animaniacs had that. Uh, Rugrats had that. Um, and this has that. So, so you don't have, just because you're writing for kids doesn't have to mean you're doing something horrendously stupid like Dora the Explorer. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Pixar. Yeah. Go ahead. But I I would add to that, that list, uh, Avatar, the last airbender is, you know, another one of those where it's, it's clearly written on more of a, about the same level as the prodigy, but very adults love it. And, you right. know, it's a wonderfully done series. Yeah. And even live action, like uh, Doctor Who back in the early classic Doctor Who was mm-hmm. written for all ages and that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. As opposed I, to, I'm the map. I'm <laughs> the map. <laughs> I, I was spared that with my kids. So, mm-hmm. uh, all right. So thank you uh, for your feedback. We love getting feedback. And uh, so we, we, we appreciate getting, we'd love to hear some more feedback before we go. I want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Star Trek, including Sarah N, Victor P, Ben B, Sean, Dawn, Dean S, sorry, Dean, and Brent W. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Star Trek and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So that's it from us. Again, we would love to hear what you think of Supernova Part 2 or Prodigy as a whole. You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash trek our Facebook page at facebook.com slash StarQuest Media. Send an email to trek at sqpn.com. 
visit our Discord community at sqpn.com slash Discord. You can now watch The Secrets of Star Trek in full video on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Media. as we wave to the camera. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the Next Generation episode, Who Watches the Watchers? Until then, Jimmy Aiken, thank you for joining me and sharing The Secrets of Star Trek. Thank you, and until next season, live logs and proper. And Father Corey Stika, thank you as well. Thank you, Dom. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Star Trek on StarQuest. And remember, now go boldly. Go boldly.